good news to all the kids. Hopefully you're only about, and this includes driving time, 30 to 40 minutes from opening presents. Good news. For everyone else, maybe you're an hour or two hours away from eating Christmas lunch and eating the great food that you're going to be enjoying today. Good news to everyone this afternoon when that food coma hits you. Hopefully you'll have the air con around. Danny, don't start sleeping now. I saw that yawn. Okay. Got to wait for the food coma to kick in. Food coma, lying on the couch, drifting off, watching a Christmas movie. Good news tonight, Christmas leftovers. Bad news, tomorrow morning it's 365 days to Christmas again. Like, we, we kind of forget that, that today is the day, and like, if today doesn't become the day, we've got to wait another 365 years, not years, days, like, so, oh, I was looking at Bert when I thought of years, so, uh, the thing is, 365 days till the next Christmas, and because some of us, we put all our hope into this day. Yeah, we, we, we drag Jesus into it. We, we go, yep, yeah, it's about Jesus, but we, we look forward to getting that present that we've been wanting. We, we look forward to our children sort of enjoying the gifts that they've had. We look forward to the times with family and friends. We look forward to that, those foods that seem to only ever get done on Christmas. Like, if they're that good, why don't we do them other times of the year? That's just, I'm just putting that one out there, moving on. But the thing is, if we put all our hope into Christmas Day, making us happy, making us joyful, making us hopeful, making us sort of in love with our family, making us feel at peace, tomorrow comes. And if we haven't based it in the right place, all of a sudden it becomes a long year. And we've had a few long years. And the thing is, what we need in those long years, we actually need a God who is present. We actually need a God who is journeying with us, a God who is leading us, a God who is constantly bringing us hope and joy and love and peace. We need a God who is doing that. And guess what? That's what we've got. When, when, when Jesus came, he became God with us. When, when he left, he sent his spirit to be among us. God is present in our lives if we allow it. And that's what I want to talk about today. As we, as we look at Matthew um, 1 and just pick up the last couple of verses, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, literally means God with us. Like the, the Jews were very, very particular about giving names to, th- to people and to things that actually explained exactly what it was about. Now, with Jesus, he was actually given multiple names. But this is one of the names that Jesus was given, Emmanuel, God with us. Now, it's not God will be with us. God is with you today. God is not with you till he comes back. It is God with us. Past, present, and future. And so we've been journeying over those past few weeks and, and, and discovering and observing Advent. And now that we are here on this day of celebration, on the arrival of Jesus, the, the celebration of, of Jesus' birth, I want to ask that question, a few of the stories in, in the Bible. Because when you think about it, when you look at the Bible, Christmas actually doesn't make up a big part at all. 
Christmas is mentioned in two of the Gospels. Jesus' birth is mentioned in two of the Gospels. You have the shepherds in, in, in one book. You have the wise men in another book. And that's it. Yet we have so many songs, so much recognition. Even people that don't believe in Jesus kind of loosely know the story of what happened. This, this small section of the Bible has become so well known around the world because it, it brings joy. Maybe not the, the full sense of joy because they, they don't connect it fully to God, but it brings joy. And today I want to look at those characters in those stories that we, we know in our Bibles and ask that question, what, what did it mean for them to have God with them? What did it mean firstly to the wise men? I'm going to do it backwards because the wise men were the last to arrive on the scene. Now, most likely they were about two years after Jesus was born because they didn't ask for directions, okay? They, they just know that. The thing is, as Jesus was born, they saw the star, they followed it, and they, they made a decision to go do that. Now, in Matthew 2.2, 2, they, they actually see them arrive in Jerusalem. They go to the capital of Israel, or capital of Judah, and they ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. They had made an extraordinarily long journey. So you think your Christmas preparation was long? Two years. Two years journey to get to where, to where Jesus was. And they're not there yet. They've gone to the capital thinking Jesus would have been born in the castle, in the palace. He would be sort of related to the royal family. I will go to the king. And what they were looking for though was not a political sort of partnership. They were not looking to be recognized. What was the word that they used? They came to... Why? Why did they come to worship a baby? Why did they come to sort of worship someone who hasn't done anything significant in their life? Why did they come to worship someone who didn't even have any real political or or royal connections? They came to worshiping, and we see this a little bit later, because... They, they came, for, for them, God with them meant there was someone worthy to be worshipped. Someone who was worthy. We pick up uh, later in this story in Matthew 2, 10 and 11. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So basically they asked the question, they kind of did a bit of research, googled it as much as they could back then, and then they sort of said, oh, he's meant to be born in Bethlehem. So they turned their eyes to Bethlehem, and as they're journeying there, the star, I don't know if it... They weren't looking hard enough or it just reappeared. They started following it again, the overjoy because they knew where it was, where they were going. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshipped him. So where did they come? Did they come to a palace? Did they come to any significant place at all? No, just to a house. Mary and Joseph had actually found accommodation within that two years. Unlike Rocky, they found a rental. And they were living in a house, not anything significant. And they saw the child and the mother and they bowed down and worshipped him and they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. Now, not going to go into it too much. Those gifts, even though for most of the kids, like maybe they would be happy with the gold and most of us would be, frankincense were, were valuable gifts. They were very valuable gifts. But the thing is, they've come to a house They've seen a very young lady, 
with a baby. Now, again, you know how you sort of get an impression that maybe you see someone on TV and you think, oh, they're very wealthy, they're very... They're, or, or maybe you see people at work and they go like this, and then when you go to their homes, they're in shorts and thongs, and you go, oh, I wasn't expecting that. That's sort of... That's like... I wonder if the wise men felt a bit like that. They'd come to worship someone who was worthy, and all of a sudden, oh, did they think this is it? No, no, because the thing is, because they were following the star, because they were being led by God, really, to this point, they recognized in this child there was someone of great worth. Someone of great worth. And what was their response to that? They worshipped him. They bowed down. These were important men. Important men. They probably had servants, slaves, and probably numerous ones. Their party would have been travelling with probably armed guards to keep them safe. They have brought valuable gifts. And the first thing they do is not declare their importance to Mary, try to impress her. They recognise the value of the child that is in Mary's arm before them and they hop on their knees and they worship this baby. For the wise men, God with them meant there was someone worthy to be lifted up. It wasn't about them. It wasn't about their value or their own importance. They looked on that child and said, this is the king of the Jews. This is someone to be worthy. They surrendered, humbled themselves to a baby that was far greater than them. That's what it meant for the wise men. What what did it mean for the shepherds? Now, you kind of really flip the script here because the wise men would have been important people in society. The shepherds, not so much. Um, they, They were necessary for Jewish culture, but they weren't valued um, that much. And in Luke 2.15, we see when the angels had left them, so the angels have shown up, they've declared that Jesus was, had been born that night, and then all of the angels filled the sky and, and basically um, did a few choir numbers for them. And then um, the angels left and had gone into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. Now, straight away, we get a bit of a clue to the either the impressions the angels made, made or a, a bit of the character of the shepherds. But either way, a lot of us sometimes see something great. We might even share it on Facebook or YouTube. Hey, look, look at this link. Look what happened here, something funny. But for most of us, it doesn't impact us in any great way. And in in fact, in our world today, we see so much stuff, a sort of information overload that we've kind of got a ho-hum approach to a lot of things. And in fact, like technology can sort of rob us of the wonder of the world. Have you ever pulled up to a a, a great lookout with your family? Hey guys, look at this. Yeah, it's amazing. We we can't see the wonder of what we're looking at or or we step outside into this beautiful waterfall and and go, when are we going home to the Xbox and everything else? Or I can't get a signal here. I I I can't connect with the real world and the real world is right there in front of you. If you stepped on a stick, it would hop up and hit you in the face that much in front of you. And we we lose the wonder that is around us. 
And the shepherds could have so much done that. They, they had a job to do. In fact, some of them, as I said, probably had been resting. One guy was probably on watch and the, and the angels have woken them all up. And I'm going, around Christmas time, sleep becomes important. Um, for some of us, sleep becomes important all the time, but like, because we just don't get enough. But around Christmas time, I go, oh yeah, well, oh, I can't wait to sort of, I'm looking forward to that nana nap this afternoon. Like, that's the dream. Living the dream. But the thing is, the shepherds went, let us go and see this thing that we've been told about. The angels have grabbed their attention, have grabbed their imagination. They are looking forward to something a little bit out of the box. And that's what they do. They head off to um, Bethlehem. And then we pick it up in verse 18. And, and they've been there. They've, um, they've, they've seen um, uh, Mary. They've seen Joseph. They've seen the, the camels and, and the, and the, and the um, cows and the chickens. Um, and they've seen it all, and they've come to tell them, hey, this is what the angels have just told us about. This is, you, you, wow, you guys are amazing. Like, and they, they just, they're blown away. I can imagine a bit of gibberish coming out of their mouth at multiple times. I can imagine them finishing each other's sentences as they blurt it all out to Mary and Joseph. And then this is what they did. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. They were amazed. They were taken away with the wonder of God. And that was what God with them, God with us meant to them. That there was a wonder that could capture their lives, that would inspire them to take action, that not only brought them to Mary and Joseph, but could not keep them quiet as they went back to their job. Now, for some of you, as, as people open up that really exciting present, they're going to be talking about it for a while. Thank you, Grandma and Granddad, for this little whatever it is. Oh, this is, the, this is the best gift ever. This is the greatest bit of technology the world has ever had. And they'll talk about it for a while. They were excited about it. They are captured by the, the little bit of wonder it is. The shepherds far exceeded that. People were amazed at what they were saying. Now, you know when you talk about something and you're not really good at talking about stuff? Or, or that particular topic. Like, um, it might be for some people who don't know anything about cars, go, okay, I'm going to give you a lecture about cars. And all the people that know cars, straight away going, like, and that, they're thinking other stuff. I'm not going to say what they're thinking, but they're, I'm just going to do the action. The thing is, the shepherds amazed other people just by what they said. Here were uneducated, not well-employed, lowly thought of men who were inspiring those around them with the story of Jesus Christ. Why? Because the wonder of God with us had captured their heart. That's what it meant to the shepherds. What did it mean to Mary and Joseph? This is a bit of a different one because Mary and Joseph sort of show their response before Jesus is born. We first pick up in Luke um, 1.38. Uh, this is Mary's response. So she's got the news that she's going to be pregnant. She's not pregnant yet. She is going to be pregnant. Um, and that's big news, especially the way it happened. 
And but this is her response. God, you got the wrong person, not me. No, no, that's not. We pick it up in Luke one thirty eight. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. This is kind of a big moment in history, not let alone Mary's life, in history. Now the thing is, sometimes God will ask us to do things and our response is, wait, I've got, I've got a few things that we need to negotiate first. Wait, I think there's better qualified people. Wait, oh, it's a big fat no. Like, um, we, we, we do that with God. Mary's response about saying, hey, you're going to bear God's son into this world. I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. Wow. Uh, I'm not even, I, I can't even think of a time that I came close to responding to God like that. Now, Joseph Joseph had to catch up on some of the information. So I don't actually begrudge Joseph's thought process. So we pick it up in, in, in verses um, 124. So um, the passage that Bert read for us, Joseph went, oh, I'm going to put Mary aside. I don't want her to be publicly shamed and possibly executed. Um, I care for her still, but I can't go forward with the marriage. It was basically what he had decided to do. And so one night he gets, has a dream and an angel comes to him in his dream. And so after, this is picking up in verse 24 of Matthew 1, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home and as his wife. So Mary's response was, I am your servant. May your word be fulfilled. Joseph's response is, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And so what it meant to Mary and Joseph to have God with them, their son, God with them was obedience. We don't actually talk about obedience at Christmas time too much because most of the time like we talk about Christmas like, look at what God has given to us. And obedience is, is at times we think it's a bit overrated because obedience means my effort, my work, my commitment. And at Christmas time, it's about what we get. But this is the thing. Obedience makes the reality of God with us even deeper because what happens, obedience, obedience keeps us in step and in the presence of Emmanuel. Because this is the thing, God is at work in the world. God is moving. Now, if God is moving that direction and I stay here, what happens? The, the, the closeness of the reality of God with me becomes less and less and less. And it's not God's fault. God is not, he, God is consistently inviting me to join me with his work and, and come with me and be amazed by what he's done, to be, actually be blown away in wonder and, and, and see how much he's of worth. But at times I will stand back here and I'll watch God go and go, I don't feel God is with me. And this is why obedience becomes so important with Christmas because if we are not obedient to God, if we are not in step with God, if we are not in relationship with God, all of a sudden this truth of God with us becomes less and less and less because we are not, we are not where we're meant to be. And the thing is, some of us, we get to the point where we go, you know what, I was close to God years ago, but not right now. And... 
I don't know what we're waiting for, like, because God is still calling out to us. God is still drawing us to it. God has not changed. God is still the promise of God with us. Obedience is required for us to fully experience and know Emmanuel. Christmas is about the gift of Christ, but to fully realize that gift, we need to journey in obedience. And again, I know it's the end of the year, but we've got a full year ahead of us. And do you know what? I know this for a fact, that God calls each one of us. Now, again, you might go, but I'm not close to God. I don't believe in God. That's not for me. It doesn't change the fact that God is calling out to you. God is wanting to be God with you. God is wanting to lead you and take you into the life he has for you. That is part of the gift of Christmas. It doesn't stop today. So the last question I want to ask for us is what does it mean to us to have God with us? What does Emmanuel mean to you? Now again, we get so hectic in the video that played before the sermon. We've talked about the last four weeks, hope, love, joy and peace. And all of us have go, I'd want all more of that in my life. And at the same time, we go, oh, I don't have that one, that one. I have that um, sometimes. Oh, maybe not that one. And all of a sudden, all the things that God promises, because he's God with us, they're not reality in our life. Now, again, part of that reality will come about from what I just spoke about, being in step with God, being in relationship with God, being obedient to God. That's where hope and love and joy and peace will flow from. But this is, this is the potential of what God with us will mean for us. We will know a God who cares for us. We will know a God who understands us. We'll know a God who actually understands what we're going through. You're having a great good year. God is going to rejoice with you and say, hey, look at the blessings I've brought your way. You're having a bad year or a run of bad years. God says, I understand what you're going through. I'm there with you. Nothing that's coming your way is going to surprise you and I am God with you. We have a God who loves us. We have a God who is with us. No matter which situation we go into, whether we we walk into our workplace or or walk into our family or or in our neighborhood or in our church, like into a tough situation or a time of blessing, God is with us. He is with us. It means that we have a God who forgives us. A God who gives us the free gift of salvation. A God who has saved you. That's what Matthew 1 said. You will call him Jesus because he came to save the, the world from their sins. That's what he came for. Having Emmanuel in our lives will mean that we are never alone. Never, ever alone. And so this Christmas, as we remember the God who is with us, as we enjoy this day, but more importantly, as we go into tomorrow and the next day and the next month and the next six months and the next year, this truth remains present that God desires to be with you 
and to lead you and to protect you and to guide you and to hold you up when your energy is gone, to bless you, to save you, to give you help when there's no other help to come. This is what it means for us. And so today I pray that in just re-remembering these stories of Christmas, that you would realize that we have a God with us who is worthy, a God who is with us that would cause us to wonder and be excited about the God that we follow. A God who is with us that calls us to walk in step with him in obedience. And a God who is with each one of us. I just want to read Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God and I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That is the God who is with you today. And that is the God who is with you tomorrow and each day that follows. I pray that as you, as you continue your celebrations today, that, joy, that truth would bring you great joy that you go into this coming year knowing that you, your God is with you as you follow him. Let's just pray. Lord, we, we thank you for your presence in our lives at all times, but that presence started because you sent your son, Jesus, to be our saviour, our redeemer, our Lord. And I pray as we celebrate this day and all of its trappings, all the things that we enjoy together with family and friends, that we realize that there is always more because of what you have brought to it, what you have started and what you will continue in the days and weeks ahead. May we go into this last week of the year knowing that God is with us. May we go into 2022 knowing that God is with us. May we worship you. May we be, have our minds blown by you. May we be obedient to you as we finish this year and begin the new one. And we pray this in your name. Amen.